3: This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
4: Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
5: The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey there, welcome back the latest episode of the book of joe podcast the most interesting podcast about baseball and life with my good buddy joe madden and joe first i gotta check in on you make sure you're okay because spring training is underway and you are not there for the first time in i don't know how many years how are you doing
6: um it's i think um well, 1981 was the first, my last break before that was 19, 1980, I wasn't there. So 76, seven eight nine, 9, 80 off, and then 81 to present tense. Um, yeah, I'm here to report I'm okay. Um, honestly, I, I, I played again yesterday, uh, meaning golf, I'm playing again today. I got to go to Tampa next week. I get an opportunity to play in the Valspar Pro Am. Then I got another tournament at Whisper Rock. Then I got another one out here with Wally Joyner. and then I eventually do it to Joe Namath. So, um, and in between that, we you know, we did the book signing in um, uh, Savannah, which was outstanding. It wasn't just cool; it was outstanding. So I, I'm like really busy. I'm really busy in a good way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm watching it, and we did. I did actually tweet about it. Uh, the pitch clock. I thought I was watching Bob Gibson pitch for both sides. It was outstanding. It It was so cool. And like I said, I I thought about this too while I was watching it. Like the other stuff, okay, you know, people find it interesting, the other rules, but the one rule that really uh, is participated within every pitch is that one. That rule is the most used rule, new rule, that's going to be incorporated into the game. And I think that's the best one. I think that's the one that if you're going to attract more youthful uh, fans or, or more uh, of a viewing audience or just want to come to the ballpark and check it out. That's the one that's going to work. And I kind of dig it.
5: It's awesome. I'm with you. I've been telling people it's the greatest thing to happen to baseball since they had nachos and a souvenir batting helmet. And I'm glad to hear you're doing well, Joe and along it, those Tommy. lines, we can ask the same question of Dexter Fowler, who is officially retired as a player from major league baseball after an outstanding 14 14- years in the bigs dexter how are you doing
7: i'm doing unbelievable honestly i i'm i'm more busy i'm busier than ever and um you, you know like you said usually you go to spring training and it's like ah like it's time that time it's that time but now i'm at home with the girls I'm a dance dad, and then I'm also doing some TV stuff. So I'm getting calls all over the place, yeah, along with some business things going on, some board meetings, and, and all that. So I got a lot going on,
6: including dinner the other night. We went out to dinner uh, up at uh, Scottsdale. Theo, Chad, myself, Dex, Eddie Vetter, uh, Josh Kleenhofer. Um, Bussy was there, Bussy was there, um, Sam Kennedy. It was just such a really fun evening. I got to sit next to Dex. And the moment you walk in the room, and Dex was there. I didn't. I didn't know he was going to be there. He snuck up from behind. And God, it's just. It's just typical. I mean, and I was going to bring this up, but I'll bring it up now. Uh, Dex lights up a room, man. He just does. I, when I first met him, when we first got together, uh, the smile began then, and it never ends. You can see it right now, and uh, that's a big part of the reason why he played as long as he did. Uh, such a wonderful guy within the clubhouse and on the team. The players really feed off of his energy and you can feed off his energy the other night just having dinner with him. So it was great to see you again, my brother. It really was. I'm so happy for this new episode and adventure in your life. I know you're going to be great at it, but I just wanted to throw that out there a bit too.
7: No, I appreciate it. We had, we definitely did. We had fun. We have fun. It was good. I, I say, get the band back together. We we reminisced on some good stories about, about those two years. And, yeah. and uh, no, Joe, Joe was, and, you know likewise joe is one of my one of my favorite managers ever to play for so well
5: joe can i start with a question for you sure because sure.
7: you know we love to talk on this
5: show about glue guys mm-hmm. right what makes a team a team obviously a manager head coach and other sports has a lot to do with that but there's nothing like having that come within the player ranks mm-hmm. and when we talk about glue guys i have to imagine that you've got to put dexter near the top of your list of big-time glue guys. What was it about Dexter that made him such a glue guy besides that smile?
6: Yeah, regardless regardless of what was going on, like he had a good day, a bad day. I mean, he, like he, had, he had a great run uh, during that year, but also he went into a little bit of a slump. But the thing is, you never know uh, when he showed up at the ballpark. He was always the same cat every day. So you know what to expect. You know what you could count on as a manager and then as a teammate. I mean, some guys will walk in the room surly. Uh, and they don't want to give. They don't want to, They just want to take all the time. They don't want to give. But Dex is the kind of guy that wants to give all the time. And he's there, like he'll he'll sense that somebody else isn't doing so well. And in spite of the fact maybe he's running through a bad moment, he's still going to give to that guy. And to me, that's really probably the best definition I can give you of a leader is that he recognizes and gives to everybody else in the room, and he's not always seeking to be to to get things from other people. Dex is a giver, and every player in that room felt it.
7: No, I appreciate it.
5: Where does that come from, Dex?
7: Um, I had to be my parents. They still keep me humble. They humble me all the time, so I think that's half of it. And at the end of the day, like like Joe said, I feed off energy, and I don't want anybody to have any type of ill energy because I feel like a lot of people, you know, in this game, like we're around each other all the time, and we all need to be on the same page at all, at the all, at the same time. It's crazy. It's crazy to see a guy come in. Because I, I feel like I've gone through a lot of this, a lot of these things, and sometimes you get caught up in baseball and baseball only, and you people don't realize that we're humans at the end of the day, right? And we're going to excel. Like the best thing ever was Joe said, "Hey, if, if you feel good in it, wear it." Remember? Yeah. And that, that right there, like be comfortable in your own skin. Be able to come in. I, I think you'll have more success if you come in and you're comfortable where you're at. Whether whether you're having a good day, a bad day, there's always guys. There should be your brothers there to pick pick guys up and keep guys, um, hold guys accountable. Yeah, there's a, if you think you look hot,
6: wear it. I mean, the big thing for me was about, um, this is one of my tenets too, is that uh, the more freedom given, the greater respect and discipline returned. I mean, I'm speaking to myself too as a, as a young player back in the day, whether it was football or baseball primarily. The coaches that really permitted me to be myself in a sense and we there to help when I absolutely needed to help. But otherwise, they permitted me to make mistakes or they permitted me to do something good without a whole lot of interference. And that's how you grow. And that's it. I mean, I think as a as an athlete, as a world class athlete, which all major league baseball players are, uh, the more they are feel they are able to express themselves and be themselves, then you will find all of their abilities on the field at any particular moment. The moment you feel constricted and you're being controlled in a sense, then you're not going to see the, the, the full uh, impact of that particular player. Talking into baseball, I think I could talk about the corporate world also. But that's this is something I learned way back in the day, whether it was high school, then going to college. I talk about Coach Root in the book of Joe. He was my backfield coach at Lafayette. This guy taught me how to um, accept or teach through communication and not intimidation. And to me, that's the best way to go about uh, being a teacher.
7: Yeah, that goes a long way. It does go a long way, especially, you know, you were at the helm, but, you know, as a player, he's he's spot on. I mean, you respond better when guys are comfortable in their own skin.
5: That's right. So, Dex, and we – and they will talk for years about that 16 team in Chicago. We know about the championships. We can watch the highlights. What's kind of in your heart when you think about how you remember that group of guys that year, 2016?
7: Honestly, we were all we, – at, at, If you land in a city and you look up, even in Chicago, we were all together at all times. It was crazy. Like, I've never been part of a team that's always been together. And, like, we'll go out to dinner together. Everybody's always invited. We'll go over to somebody's house. Everybody's invited. Whether it's a hotel room, everybody was together, and everybody was willing to come. There was no really any clicks, which was great. And then even the guys who came in, like the Chappies and and everybody who came, you know, to help out, like towards the end of the year, they were welcomed with open arms, like, and they felt comfortable enough to to come around and, and and be together as with us as well.
6: Let me just say something there, and, and that's a big part of that. I agree. Um, when you get when you create, you talk about atmosphere, or you create a culture, whatever. Even though we didn't have a long time together, we kind of created a culture. So when somebody walks in the room, uh, acquisitionally say. They walk in a room, and and the guys that are, have been there are basically in charge of the room, which I love. I, I uh, your your veterans need to run the clubhouse. But when they walk in there, the guys coming in will be immediately if they if they want to go stray, stray at all. That's not how we do things here. These guys will be there. This is how we do things. That they're gonna they're gonna make sure that this thing is um, gonna continue to run smoothly like it had been running to that particular point. I I don't know that people understand that completely, but. When you have a room running properly and it's being run by your veterans, if somebody wants to go a little bit sideways on you, uh, those guys will eh, they'll just get the guy off to the side doing it in a professional way. Listen, we don't we don't do that here. We do it this way, and to me, that's the best way and the most successful way to run a clubhouse.
7: And you teach the young guys too. Like it, it's sure. it's mm-hmm. it doesn't just go with somebody who comes in a clubhouse. Even a guy who just gets called up and doesn't know right mm-hmm. right you do it like like joe said we do it in a respectful way we're all family in there and that's and that's part of it and you're going to play a lot harder for the guy next to you if he knows that's like this dude really cares about mm-hmm.
6: me and that's just human behavior i mean people have, well, some people may not understand that uh but when you're with everybody with each other every day 162 plus 40 some days in spring training and then the postseason that's over 200 games you could possibly be together for during the course of the year um it's 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 a it's a family, man, and you're gonna have your disagreements, your arguments, and you're gonna have your wonderful times like Dex talked about, but there's gotta be a structure and the structure has to be built among the players and not by the manager or the coaches.
5: Yeah, I, I love it when players are really good but more importantly they're really good guys and when you have that special bond and you guys had that with the cubs group of yeah talented players but really good guys one of my favorite stories dex is it was either 15 or 16 right as was probably around august because the school year was starting up and you and your wife went in there and you picked up the tab on family's layaway uh, back to school items it just you picked up that tab. I know you weren't looking for it to get any attention, but uh, that has always stuck with me. as Man, that's such a cool thing to do, and you really have to be an empathetic person to even come up with that kind of idea. So kudos to you. I'm sure you've done, and I know you have done a lot more than that, but that to me was special. It was unique and good on you.
7: No, I appreciate it. And how it came about, my mom was a teacher, right? So going into, and, and it was the inner city. She taught in inner city school. So you know, I saw a lot of going in, I used to speak to her classes and just seeing the kids that were obviously not as privileged as I was. And I told myself I always wanted to help kids, kids that, that needed help, right? Because sometimes it, just to go to school is just to get away from, you know, what they've been going through. You know, some kids just go there even to get a meal, right? So um, that's how that all came about. You know, I, I saw you see families in there and you're like, hey, I'm gonna help this family out. I I, I know they they you know their penny pension here or there, and I mean you can kinda see that. So you you, you just jump in and try to help.
5: And we're gonna take a quick break here, and obviously we're gonna ask Dexter about, of course, game seven, but I wanna ask him about game one, game one of his career. Back in a minute.
4: Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
8: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call one 800 gambler four seven, or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services.
5: Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. Our guest is Dexter Fowler, 14 years in the major leagues. Not bad for a guy who was drafted in the 14th round. I know, Dexter, probably had a lot to do with signability. You had offers, I believe, from Miami, from Harvard, and you signed on with the Rockies. First, take me back to that time in your life and making that kind of a decision.
7: Um, Well, I I, I thought I was going to go first round. I I just won the night before the draft. I won National Player of the Year uh, at the All-American game, and everybody's like, oh, you're going to be the first pick, you know, from anybody here. And I remember that day, like it was yesterday and I was sitting in the room and like DeWitt was the first guy to get drafted. And I'm sitting there and I see my dad walking off on calls and I'm like, Oh, is this it? Is this is it. So ended up, uh, yeah. Getting drafted in the 14th round. Um, found out a few years later there, like after I signed, I signed for first round money, but everybody was like, that's, that's what it took. Like, and I found out somebody had messed, had got me, Signability wise, um, and it was um, actually one of the coaches that wanted me to play for their team, so I found that out. But all in all, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. Yeah, I was I was actually gonna I signed dual sport to play basketball and baseball in the major league. so I couldn't go back and go back to college and, and play basketball. So. At then end, I, I signed, ended up going with Colorado, and the rest is history.
5: History, yeah. I I think at the time, weren't you only a right-handed hitter? I was. And, and you wound up, you look at your major league numbers. I've never heard this before, Joe. Mm-hmm. Natural right-handed hitter, and in the big leagues, his better side was the left side.
6: Yeah, I mean, there was times, I mean, we, we've talked about that, and he, when we became adversarial, when we went up to St. Louis, um you know, there was a time that this boy, you could not get him out right-handed, man. I tell you what, he was hot with the Cubbies. He got hot right-handed, and I wanted to see him up there right-handed. The left side was a little bit more movement. The right side was more direct to the ball. I think, Dex, when you were on top of your game right-handed, my God, it was like Bernie Williams good. It was that good from that side for me. Uh, but then he would go through, uh, because you hit left-handed most of the time. As a switch hitter, you, you hit left-handed.
7: Yeah, I did I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we told, we talked about this at dinner. We actually talked about this. I did. And I thank Joe because Joe used to, because he knew I wasn't getting. It. So in St. Louis, am <laughs> not going to name any names, but somebody didn't let me play against lefties. Only right handed hitters. I mean, only I was only hitting left handed. So I hit left handed for probably like a week and a half, two weeks straight. And I didn't get any right handed at bats. And Joe. We played the Cubs and yeah. Joe used to flip me every time. He made good. me hit, he made me hit right handed <laughs> and I, I, I thanked him at did It kind of locked me in. It locked me back That's in. So good, right hand. I grew up hitting right handed so that like once I start seeing some pitches, I'm back. Like it's like riding a bike. But if I don't see any pitches, I'm like timing's off. I'm rolling over stuff. But I, I, I used to go up right handed and tell everybody, "There's no way that anybody's getting me out." I'll get myself out right-handed, but you cannot get me out.
6: Technically, I like your right-handed swing better. Like I said, yeah. it's more short, direct. Your left hand—you had that little thing that would flip you a little before. But when that sucker yeah. was timed up right, when you got hot left-handed, man, nobody can get you out left-handed either. It was, you know, it's a classic example. A Switch hit, a young guy like that learns the other side, and then, then all of a sudden, of course, left-handed being the learned side, he's going to face mostly right-handed pitchers. So there might be a couple flaws in that, but man, I. Uh, even in Colorado, he hit the ball well right-handed for me too. So anyway, this guy could hit it well from both sides of the plate, and that's why he lasted as long as he did.
7: Did I ever tell you how that came about? Did you know?
6: No. Uh-uh.
7: So I'm in a cage, and this is in Instructs. Okay. My first year. Like nobody's ever – like these guys have never seen me play. So I'm hitting right-handed or whatever, and I don't even think I played a game. I go in the cage and I'm just like, hey, y'all flip me some, you know, obviously if you know me, I goof around a lot, mm-hmm. right? So I'm goofing around in the cage and I just, I'm hitting left-handed. And Jimmy Johnson says, hey, he was our roving hitting guy. He goes, you ever hit left-handed? I go, no, we just played. We, my brother and I used to play Harmon Derby in our yard because it was smaller. We just hit left-handed. But my feet were every day but everywhere, but I had good hand-eye coordination. The next day I get a call and it's like, hey, Bill Guyvet, which was our scouting director at the time, wants to see you in his office. And I'm over here thinking, like, this is my first time. I'm like, what the hell did I do? Right? (laughs) So I go in the office, and I sit down, and I'm like, my heart's beating. And he's like, so we want you to start switch hitting. He's like, no. He goes, the reason I I called you to the office today. And I'm like, all right, let me have it. What did I do? (laughs) And he's like, because it's like the principal's office. He's like, we want you to start switch hitting. Uh, Jimmy saw your your, your swing, um, and he said that it, we think it will help you. You know, getting down to first, you're really fast or whatever. And I said, "Well, you guys haven't even seen me hit right." He goes, "No, you still hit right-handed, just like you know against against the righties, you'll hit left-handed." I said, "Okay, I'll try." It. When when do you want me to start? And they were like, "Today," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Today, like <laughs> you really want me to start today?" I was like, "Absolutely." Go to Bassman, which was our 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 equipment guy. And tell him, in the minor leagues, and tell him you need some left-handed bats. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I went in there and I asked Bassman. I said, Bassman, I need some left-handed bats. I need some left-handed bats because I, I'm, I'm starting to switch it now. And he started laughing. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I'm switch hitting. Like, I did ask you for left-handed. He goes, there's no left-handed bats. All the bats are the same. Same. <laughs> I was like, no, he got me. So that was the day I started, I started switching it.
6: That's awesome. I you know, I, I really um, JJ I know JJ from Arizona. JJ and I used to do clinics. Yeah, yeah. And then Guy Vett was one of my players in the minor leagues. I just I just was with them a couple of weeks. So it's kind of interesting that you have that same kind of history with those guys too. Yeah.
5: yeah So Dexter, September of two thousand eight, you get called up. Tenth inning against the Giants, they send you in there to pinch run. Yes. You got to pick up the story from there.
7: Yeah. So um, first of all. Let's, let's rewind. So I, I get there and I see on the day before I get called up, I see Peter Gammons on baseball tonight and he said notable September call ups. And I'm sitting there at a team dinner, like our team party for the end of the year in Northwest Arkansas. And I look up and I look at Stu Cole. I'm like, did I get called up? I'm in double A. I'm like, did I get called up? They said I just got called up. Like, what? Like, and he goes, I haven't heard anything. So I was like, am I playing tomorrow? <laughs> They was like, "Yeah, you're in there." So I end up waking up, couldn't sleep the whole night. End up waking up, playing, got three hits. After the game, I get called up. They said, "Hey, you need to hurry up and get back." So when we get back, you'll just drive. You'll pick up your stuff and you can drive uh, to Denver. It's probably from Tulsa. It's probably like a eight hour drive. I'm like, okay. The whole time I'm coming home, I, I, I get it. I drive there, can't sleep and they're like yeah you need to hurry up and get there cuz you might start and i'm looking it up and i'm like who's who's pitching and they're like 10 linsickum like, and yeah, this is when yeah. the freak was the freak so i'm over here. <laughs> oh man i'm you know I'm, I'm so excited so i get there on 3 hours of sleep i get there and i'm like not in the lineup and i'm like oh man i thought i was starting so i'm sitting there in first big league game i'm sitting there you know watching the whole game excited top 10 Jamie Quirk comes down and says, Hey, Dex, if the catcher gets on, then you're gonna pinch run. He's leading off the inning. I said, Okay. So I'm down there. I'm 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 amped up. He gets up, ends up getting on. I get out there, and they're like, hey, we need to, we need you to get this bag. So I'm like, all right. So second pitch, I get the steal sign. I look in, Benji Molina's behind the plate, and I'm like, I gotta get a really good jump, right? <laughs> and so I get the steal sign. I get a good jump. I look in, and the ball's up and away. So it looks like a pitch out. Like, when I peek in, he's already up like this. And I'm like, oh, man. So I take, like, I'm three quarters of the way. I stop uh-huh. and go back to the bag. And this is probably the only time that Benji Molina threw a ball offline. It's offline to Emmanuel Burris. He comes across the bag like this. In stride. Catches it. Throws at the first, I slide in. I'm out at first. I'm like, <laughs> everybody's booing me. Like, uh, my parents are there, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I go back and sit down. I'm 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 sad and and I remember they came up to me, and they're like, Hey, look, you're in the books. It's all right. It's all right. So that was my that was my big league debut. Who
6: who was the manager at that time? Who did you have your manager?
7: Clint hurdle.
6: Oh, Clint was there. Okay. All
5: right. Got gotcha. you. Got gotcha. you. Hey, Dex, we talk a lot in this episode and these podcasts about that moment when you belong, you've heard Joe talk about the five levels of being a professional for you. When did that moment come when you knew you belonged?
7: I can't pinpoint one. I mean, I almost when I was third and rookie of the year voting second or yeah, third and rookie of the year voting. Like, I guess when I left Colorado, if that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. because kind of like it, it's kind of like you, you, you grow up, you come up in Colorado and they still view you as a kid, right? When you're 18, you come in and you were, I was a kid and uh, you know, you make it through the ranks and you play, I play for them for five years and I was still viewed as a kid. And at that point you're, you're grown. You got, I got five years in the big leagues. I went to Houston and as terrible as we were at Houston, uh Bo Porter, I was I was looked at as the guy, like of the one of the veterans. So like even when Springer came up, like he lived with me, like all Tuva, like they all looked up to me, right? I was the guy. And I think that's when I, I realized like I belong here. Like this is like this is where I, I, I belong. And then I get I ended up getting traded to um to N fifteen to the to the Cubs. So
6: yeah, I mean, that's we, have, we all have to go through that seminal moment, that moment when, um, you know, that epiphany strikes, um, you finally, I belong here, I can do this, um, I'm as good as everybody else, if not better. Uh, you have to really believe that internally. We all have to believe that internally in order to uh, to really uh, maximize our talents. I mean, I, I know even as a coach, as a, a manager, as a major league coach, I had to go through that same process. Um, as a young minor league player, I had to go through that same process. Uh, the first time I went to Boulder, Colorado, and can I play with these other guys from Texas and Oklahoma, et cetera. It's weird of it. And I think everybody, and I think, it, again, it applies in b- the business world too. You have to, I don't care if you're an attorney, doctor, whatever, teacher. It's got to be that one moment when you, you breathe and all of a sudden your brain uh, works. It, it works. It, you're able to slow things down. I'm as good as anybody else around here. And then everybody gets to see the full benefit of what you're capable of doing. And that's, it happens to all of us, man. And uh, it's a perfect example with you. Once you had that leadership role, kind of it sounds like you're able to take off from there.
5: Well, I don't want to overlook Dexter's career too, either, Joe. We talked about his ability as a glue guy, but yeah. again, a 14 year career, 82 triples. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to know how many that is, nobody who has joined the major leagues since 2005 Has 82 triples. The active leader is actually a tie. Charlie Blackman and Alcides Escobar have only 58. And here's a trivia question for you, Joe. Dexter had 127 home runs and 82 triples. Mm -hmm. There's only one other switch-hitting outfielder in the history of baseball that has that combination of home runs and triples. That many homers, that many triples. Mickey Mantle? Not Mickey Mantle. But wow. it is a Hall of Famer.
6: Home runs and triples.
5: Yes, jeez. Probably the second greatest leadoff hitter in baseball history. Because we have to go with Ricky at number one. No offense, Dexter.
6: Come on, I'm, I, I had you, you got me at Mickey. I... It's,
5: it's more you're more of an AL guy, maybe from back then, back in the '80s. But he was in the other league back in the '80s when you were in the AL. Uh, Tim Raines. Oh God, the Rock, the Rock. The great is Tim stand, Raines. Yeah. So Dexter Fowler and Tim Raines. How about that?
7: That's crazy. I didn't know that. Which leads me,
5: Dexter, to this question: Who is your guy growing up? Like, who is the guy you're watching? You're like, man, I, I like that cat. I want to be like him.
7: Oh, Junior, Junior, yeah. King, King, yeah. Griffey Junior, first year, without a doubt. That's why I wore 24 for for Junior. I remember uh, Don Baylor introduced me to him, and it was crazy because it, it, it that was like I don't get starstruck meeting people, but like Junior, I was a I was. I just got called up, so it was 2009, and I made the team out of spring training, and Groove Don Baylor, walked me over there to meet him. We were in Peoria, and it was funny. He knew who I was. He told me, hey, don't be running down any of my balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pretty exciting. But gave me his number, and Junior's always been great. And that, like I said, that's why I, I was a Mariners fan growing up, even being in Atlanta, just because just Griffey was my guy.
6: So cool. Pretty good player, man. I saw him in rookie ball, pretty good player. The one thing uh, Dex, uh, there's a little phrase. He was coming out of the dugout one time in Chicago. I don't even know if you're like hurting a little bit, or I, I recognize something. But he's walking in front of me, going to the on deck circle, probably going to hit. And I just called him over and said, "Remember one thing: you go, we go." And from that moment on, I would repeat that tune before every game: "You go, we go." And it was absolutely true. Uh, the guy, you think about 15, the home run in Pittsburgh. You think about. Sixteen, the leadoff home running Game Seven. There's so many big hits that he had had, and um, just, just, and then he, would just, he was just—he was an igniter. He's the, like you said, a classic leadoff hitter that everybody's seeking because he could handle it mentally too. Like when you're not going well, you have to be able to handle that also, and he handled the downtimes well too. But you go, we go. Always remember that about us, bud.
7: Absolutely, and, it, and I'm, I'm laughing because I remember at 15 I went up to your office. Uh I was struggling I feel like every every at bat um, to start the game I was punching out Mm -hmm. you remember yeah you you said okay all right Dex we're gonna change your mindset you said hey what are we gonna do when we start this game today and I said probably punch out (laughs) (laughs) and they go right ahead and do it man We'll go to. Yeah, he was like, hey, go ahead, go ahead."
6: Just Punch out as much as you have to.
7: Yeah, right. But that's the that's just the type of person, like the type of relationship Joe and I had. He started laughing, and I started laughing. I was like, "Well, I've been doing it, so I might as well just keep doing it." But ended up it, it ended up turning around. So that the yeah. you go, we go, it, it, it definitely helped out. But that's just the confidence he had in me, and that like that like I said, dating back, that goes a long way.
6: It was just true. You you did you were the you were the straw.
7: Yeah, absolutely. You go, we go. He used to, we used to, we used to dab it up, give me a hug, and hey, you go, we go. And I said, "Hey, it's true."
5: Yeah. And, and Dexter is the same thing. Game seven of the World Series, right? First at bat right. of the that's game. That's right. You did come back. It's same true. Same message. He come back with it's true, yeah. and then he'd walk up there and hit. That's
6: that's. I forgot all about that. That's outstanding. That's beautiful.
5: Next, this has been outstanding, but I've got one more job for you. We'll be back with that in a minute.
4: and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
8: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler 24 7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
5: All right, Dexter, before we let you go, we have a game to play with you. Okay. We call it a reading from the book of Job. Okay. We take our book. And we like to think you can crack this book open anywhere, and you're going to find something interesting and fun. I like it. And we put that to the test with all of our guests. So you get to pick a number anywhere between 1 and 368, and we'll see what's on that page. So your choice.
7: Um, Let's go
5: 24 i <laughs> uh, want a shocker number 24 tim where did you come up with that number <laughs> I, I would never have seen that one coming <laughs> oh man you're going back to joe's
6: right right right
5: growing up with uh his college coach he talked about uh norm geigen is that how you say it joe
6: get gone get gone
5: norm gig gig on. Gig on. yeah mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
6: yes who did play for the he played for the Chicago Cubs he did in, he in big, did he
5: played for the cubs yeah, in the was big bound leagues. To be for How you that, yeah right. so here we go page 24 Gigan was never as blunt with madden as he was one day when he discussed his chances of playing in the major leagues <laughs> you know you're never going to play in the big leagues Gigan told him the only chance you have of playing pro ball is as a backup catcher but you ain't never playing in the big leagues says madden I loved when coaches were straight up with me. Gig played in pro ball. He had a good idea of what the standard was. I wasn't close to being as good as what he understood that standard to be. Correct. I love. How about it. that story, Joe?
6: Yeah, I could just. I mean, he was. Um, he's no longer with us. He was a very self confident man. He was. He played in the big leagues uh, briefly with the Cubs. I think in 1968, 69. Uh, he was also uh, the JV basketball coach there, big athlete, went to Colby College in Maine. Tough. But this guy taught me how to catch. And that was that was my ticket to to professional baseball because I converted to catcher my freshman year at college. And this guy was an infielder. But everything he taught me to catch in that freshman year, I heard it again when I got to uh, spring training with the Angels in Holtville from Del Crando, Jack Hyatt, Chris Cannizzaro, uh, Larry Himes all these dudes that had all this, this pedigree and catching. So I was really fortunate that gig was my skipper at that time, but man, the man had an ego, uh, but it was a lot of fun to play for him. I love
5: that. What's that line you have Joe about delivering truth, but with compassion.
6: Yeah. Uh, honestly without compassion equals cruelty,
5: (laughs) but I, I was okay with a little bit of cruelty. I mean,
6: Coming back from where we came from back in the day, I played for Adam Siminski, I played for Norm Giggle, and I played for Richie Rapids and Jack Seywall. I mean, these guys that shoot you right between the eyes when you're 10 and 11 years old, they tell you how much you stink. And so you just had to keep coming back. And uh, I kind of liked it, kind of liked it.
7: I, I appreciate that too. You know, as a player, you appreciate it. You rather that than a guy just blow smoke yeah, and then yeah. do whatever he needs to do. I rather you tell me, be honest with me, hey, yeah. I really don't like you. I don't like your game. Okay, cool, cool. I appreciate that. I appreciate you telling me that instead of being like, hey, you know what? Mm You're great. I can't wait to you and then really hate me. Like it's fine. I can feed through it. I'm grown. It's I true, can, man. I can feed through all. That.
6: I'm a grown, I'm a. I'm a big boy. I can handle
7: it. Right. Right. Exactly. Give it to. Give it to me.
5: Exactly. Right. Uh, Dexter, this has been great, and I'm sure anybody listening to this understands why you are an ultimate glue guy. Appreciate your time. But uh, before we let you go, give us a quick idea besides being a dance dad of of what you've got ahead of you. I understand you'll do a little more work for the Marquee Sports Network, doing some Cubs games. So uh, what's ahead for you?
7: I'm kind of a free agent right now. So I I, I I'm I I'm sifting through some some things. Um Marquis set in stone we're gonna solidify some stuff here um hopefully this week or next week and and get going. But you'll definitely see me and my face on air um somewhere. Whether that's um on YouTube via social media, but I'll be uh, not just one place, but not everywhere. So
6: my ubiquitous buddy right there. Very good. Love
5: it! Thanks so much, Dexter. It's been great. Well, thank you guys for having me for sure.
6: Dex, best wishes, man. Best wishes with everything thank you know. You. That We'll stay in touch. We got to play some golf, man. Absolutely, got to play some golf. I had a seventy nine yesterday. Seventy nine. I'm coming after
7: you. I love to see it. I love to coming see it after you, man. Absolutely. You. Let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'm, All right. I'm there. All right.
5: Well, Joe, uh, no surprise to you. You know Dexter Fowler really well, but for a lot of our listeners, maybe now obviously know him as a player you get a little insight into the person and you're even more impressed that was a real treat
6: yeah that's just that's typical dex right there and that's what i was talking about he's uh, on a daily basis you know what to expect um as the person who the person is walking in the door and that's why he's so influential in the clubhouse uh, speaking about there he was really really outstanding in 16 but of course you're always going to go through some bad moments but when he did it was unrecognizable regarding his personality and how he went about his business with everybody else. And that that to me is a real leader and a real leader is a leadoff hitter. I mean, your leadoff hitter is going to go through some bad moments. Uh, you might give him a day off, but you're not taking him out of the leadoff spot. So he handled it so well and uh, we did some good things together. And it's always wonderful to be in his company.
5: And you know what? I, I know Dexter got every bit out of his career, but hopefully as we're watching spring game, spring training games this year, Joe, mm-hmm. there's going to be more Dexter Fowlers in this game. We, I think we're going to see switch hitting come back. We're going to see, obviously, a premium on athleticism, on base stealing, all those qualities that sort of were a little bit devalued with the way the game fell in love with the home run, I think are coming back at a much more entertaining game if first indications of the rule changes in spring training are any indication so that's a good thing
6: that'd be very welcoming absolutely and I, but just last point I, I did the same thing with a couple of young hitters uh made them into switch hitters and they'll stay asked when I said today you just you just started up that day because you're in the minor leagues, you don't want to waste a moment you're okay with a couple bad at bats or a couple outs let's just start it today get a feel for it and then we just move forward from there it's
5: a great idea I just for, it, for background, 2009, Dexter's first full year in the big leagues, there were 25 switch hitters who qualified. That's enough plate appearances to qualify for the batting title. Last year, there were 13. Wow. So, wow. you know, you think about the heyday of switch hitters, probably the 1980s, and we've kind of gone downhill since then. Maybe it'll come back. Some better athletes, and as you said, you need some minor league coaches to encourage it as well.
6: Yeah, absolutely,
5: Joe. You got something to take us out here?
6: Yeah, again, I went back to Mister Twain. I was I was playing with Kurt Vonnegut a little bit. Vonnegut kind of messed my head up in nineteen. What was it? Seventy something. He was just kind of. But I love him. I love all of his stuff. But anyway, I went back to Mark uh, Twain, and I love this too because it deals with imagination. Uh, you can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. Um, that's it's so important to be able to. Visually see things in advance, and um, and be willing to try new and different things, and and to take the to take the the lead in those situations. So that's what I get out of that. If your imagination is in focus, it's it really uh, permits your eyes to see more clearly.
5: The great Mark Twain, one of my favorites, and the man who said golf is a good walk spoiled.
6: <laughs> God, how was he? Was so good, wasn't he?
5: Hit him straight, Joe.
6: Thanks, brother. Nice going.
5: The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
2: or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge.
0: Just the splash. Before you
1: board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.
4: Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find
3: their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car.